Hi, everybody, and welcome to Will This Be On The Test? I'm Maddie. And I'm Austin. And we're here today to talk about some things we should have learned in school, but didn't learn, didn't learn fully, or didn't learn correctly. And sometimes we talk about how the best ice cream really is at Brahms. <laughs> yes. Um, where we live, there's this, no, there is not this place called Brahms Ice Cream. I lived in Oklahoma for several years, and Brahms is everywhere. And as we were driving... It's it's been one hell of a week. Guys. Yeah, we were driving out to visit some people out in Hutchison, and we you pass a town called Emporia on the way there from where we live, and there's a big sign with an ice cream cone on it. It says Brahms. We talked about stopping on the way there, but we were like, mm, no, we'll stop on the way back because we could bring some ice cream to my mom too, and because she loves Brahms because she lives in Oklahoma with me, and you can't live in Oklahoma without loving Brahms ice cream and Alderson's bacon. And they're not even sponsoring us, by the way. Like, this is Brahms just, we love it. Brahms is welcome to sponsor us. But yeah, ice cream really does taste better from Brahms. Um, and so I'm really excited because I got some pistachio almond chocolate chip. And I remember back in my day, I'm pretty sure they didn't have chocolate chip in there. So this is going to be exciting. I mean, are you complaining about the presence of chocolate chip? No, no. And I know, guys, this is not the most fascinating thing in the world to you, probably. But believe me, when I say it's in one hell of a week, we almost didn't record today. Yeah, it was um, lots of stuff. If you remember... Early on in the podcast, we were recording in a different room, and I would keep getting distracted by Spaghetti the Snake, and because she would dance, and we would laugh, and Spaghetti died. Um, we found her belly up, literally, today, and so we went and had our little burial. She was my last ever classroom pet, and my students loved her, and she would go. She escaped her cage twice, and, you know, I just... It's a sad day, but we're um, we decided to go ahead and record because we were both done for once. And, yeah. Well, by done, I mean Austin's done, and I'm done enough for me to bullshit the last little bit. <laughs> None of it will be lies. It'll just be not research stuff from personal experience slash stuff from that I went by in my research and other points. Uh, and in part, just because we need to laugh, and I think we're still going to get a chance to laugh today. I, I think we are. I know mine's kind of funny. I hope mine is. We'll find out. Although, um, the topic I'm going into is one that a lot of people actually really hate. Not as much as the idea of orcas in general anymore, I'm sure. <laughs> but I'm going to be talking... Oh, do we have any other business to cover before we jump in? I don't think so. So let's, let's dive in. Okay. No. <laughs> oh, and if you follow us on Twitter, I shared a, a TikTok from this guy who does animal like little short animal lessons on TikTok. And I don't have it in front of me, so I can't say his name. But he did one on orcas. That was like the too long didn't read version of what Austin talked about. He did what I did, but better. Don't say that. We're the best. But that guy was great. I, uh, I discovered him this morning and he's so good. Um, so yeah, if you want some of what Austin talked about last week, but with visuals, I don't know why you would, but if you do, um, go watch that TikTok. Also, should we get a TikTok? Maybe we should. I think we Are should. we, okay. Are we too old to have a TikTok? Uh, there are some TikTokers I like who are older than us. Okay. So I think I don't think we're too old. And also, our podcast is only almost two now. So if anything, we're too young to have a TikTok. There's no such thing. No such, no such thing. thing as being too young for a TikTok? No such thing as being too young for TikTok. All right. Well, today I'm talking about something that a lot of people hate, but that is also important. A couple of weeks ago, I talked about why we suck at receiving compliments. And... And you did such a great job. 
um, okay, I'm going to go over here now. Uh, we all suck at receiving compliments. No matter how great we feel about ourselves. Of course, we can also go too far in the other direction and actually really feel that great about ourselves, which ultimately leads into us fishing for more compliments. And nobody likes that guy. Don't be that guy. But I'm going to talk about something slightly different today. As opposed to compliments, I'm going to be talking about feedback. Ooh. Now, it's like the compliments like meaner sister. Well, the thing is, if feedback is done well, it shouldn't be mean. That's the, that's the problem here. Now, like you probably remember from if you're if you're our age, especially you remember hearing the term constructive criticism, <laughs> constructive criticism. This criticism is constructive. And it was really just usually meant to mean, I. would you mind having some constructive criticism? Change everything about what you just did. I don't like what I saw. Could you just be a little bit more normal? So constructive criticism. Oh, God, that just brought some flashbacks to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh oh going back into last week's highly superior autobiographical memories oh good you remembered it <laughs> yeah austin was making fun of me last night because i was like talking about school and i named my first 10 i went to a lot of different schools guys so i went my i named my first 10 teachers i was talking about my best friends from this and he was like you realize that remembering stuff like this isn't normal he was like you have that hsam thing we talked you talked about yesterday i'm like oh yeah then why can't i find my glasses or remember what hsam stands for <laughs> Anyway, um, constructive criticism is really just criticism with a prettier hat on. It focuses on the problem instead of potential solutions or collaborating to find those solutions. Feedback, on the other hand, looks at what someone is doing well, areas for improvement, and how you can work together to improve on them. I'm not going to get too far into this either, but reviews are a completely different thing. Feedback is, you know, here's how we can improve on something. Construct uh, cons Criticism is just focusing on a problem. A review is like criticism, but permanent. So if you think about like your annual reviews at work, that goes in your file. And if you have a good manager, it, you, it is a feedback setup. But no matter what, it is still permanent, which is why reviews on anybody's art should not be feedback. Unless it's done by pigeons. What? The pigeons who reviewed art. When oh, I talk right. about pigeons. Um, so, like, if you are writing a review of someone's actual artwork or a book or something, especially if it's a small, like, a person who published their own book, and there are 200 copies out in the world, and they're so excited about it, and you go on there to just, I have some feedback, and you give them one star, that one star, when there's only five reviews, is a big difference. Yeah. It's not a place for, if you have feedback, tweet them. Email them. Use that contact form. If you want to leave a review, be chill. Now, if they are a racist, sexist piece of garbage, by all means, leave, leave a review. But other than that, if you want to help them improve, go for it. They may or may not listen to you. Um, but yeah, reviews and feedback, not the same thing. Because reviews are permanent criticism. <laughs> so an article from Benedictine University created a list of five differences between criticism and feedback, which I'm just going to quote from Benedictine. Criticism focuses on what we don't want. Feedback focuses on what we do want. Criticism is focused on the past. Feedback is focused on the future. Criticism is focused on weakness. Feedback builds up strengths. Criticism deflates. Feedback inspires. And criticism says, you are the problem. Feedback says, we can make this better together. And I'm having to keep turning away from Austin, so I'm going to try to move things. Let's see if this works. 
So if you think back to going to school, my guess is you remember seeing a lot of criticism on papers with mentions of what you did wrong and very few mentions of what you did well, especially if you're our age and can remember elementary school before they had any real understanding of feedback versus criticism in the educational oh sphere. Oh my god. It got a little better when we got to high school. Yeah. Like criticism of like children's art by teachers is oof. Oh, for me, it's the worst is uh, handwriting. Oh, yeah. I have like, awful. If you're doing an assignment completely unrelated to handwriting, why is handwriting factored into your grade on that assignment? Like, have it be a separate grade if you want to. That's fine. Be like, mm -hmm. okay, your assignment, 10 out of 10, your handwriting, 5 out of 10. But also, if a kid is consistently getting 5 out of 10, 4 out of 10 on their handwriting, maybe find out why. Because I don't know, maybe they hold a pencil wrong and struggle with their fine motor skills a little. Not that I would personally know anything <laughs> about that from having to be in my adaptive gymnastics classes to make my gross motor skills work better. It's just going to be like the, the <laughs> unveiling Maddie's traumatic childhood memories podcast now. <laughs> Pretty much. No, actually, I loved the gymnastics class. Um, I just, I, can't, I never learned how to hold a pencil correctly. And so my handwriting has always been shit. And no teacher ever looked at it. They're always like, oh, bad handwriting, bad handwriting. And I would yeah. get like these points off on these assignments that I'd done perfectly well on because my handwriting was bad. God, I had awful handwriting. Like, I still have awful handwriting. Well, and Austin can tell you my handwriting is unreadable. And I have letters that are backwards. I have letters that are missing. I have letters that are transposed. Like, I can read it. Yeah. And when I was in school, I focused a lot more. So the transposed and the backwards and the missing didn't happen as much. Um, I actually aced every fucking spelling test. Spelling was my jam. Nice. But when I'm just writing, no, everything comes out. The truth really comes out. Um, so, yeah, looking at you, Miss James, you know who you are. Does she, though? Maybe she doesn't anymore. Maybe she got hit in the head real hard with a coconut. <sighs> anyway, uh, feedback can go in several directions. Teacher to student, boss to employee, student to professor, employee to employer. There's also peer feedback, which I hate and I'm not going to get into too much today. Now let's start quickly with the two primary types of feedback. These are formative and summative. Uh, to be clear, I'm going to be talking about why feedback matters how, and how to give it. That is the topic today. I don't think I made that clear at the beginning. Um, formative and summative. Though these are typically spoken about in terms of education, they also apply to jobs. Formative feedback is the stuff that happens as you go. You monitor the work your employees or your students are doing and saying, oh, hey, check on this part before you keep moving on. Or this specific thing is going really well. That's awesome. Just the little things you notice as your employees or your students are working. The stuff that motivates them to keep moving and gently corrects them if something is wrong. And if you notice something's going really wrong, or if they're having a bad day, pulling them aside and being like, hey, what's what's going on? Mm -hmm. These are in the moment things. Then we have summative feedback, which is that formal feedback session or your annual review or whatever. Um, but here's the key. If what is mentioned on summative feedback is a total surprise to the subordinate in this situation, someone has fucked up. This doesn't mean you can necessarily blame your teacher if you didn't study for the final, to be clear. Like, if you did not study for the final and you failed the final, that's still on you. But if the stuff on the final was stuff you had never learned, then that's on the teacher. If it's stuff that you went to the teacher for help for and they told you to fuck off, which did happen to me as a student, um, that's on the teacher. It's on you to study, but it's not on you to be perfect. If you are an employee and all of a sudden they're bringing up all these horrible things that you did that were that were from months ago that you don't remember of even happening, let alone that it was a problem, they have failed you as like their job is to monitor as you go. Your employee evaluations, your summative feedbacks should be kind of summaries 
This is where you were. Here's where you are now. Here's where we can improve from. Using your strengths. That is the key there. Using your strengths. Let's move forward together. With the person in charge taking some responsibility for anything that has gone wrong. That is what effective feedback looks like. It is a collaboration. Now, see, that just seems like way too much work for like some supervisors. They'd be like, "Ugh, I'm not going to actually do this. So I'm just going to write stuff out of the employee handbook and just pretend everything is awesome. Yeah. So anyway, um, getting ahead of things a little bit here. Let's talk about what makes feedback good. We'll start with feedback that comes from a boss or a teacher to an employee or a student. Um, which actually it all equally applies when you are the person giving feedback to your, for lack of a better word, superior, your boss or your teacher, because there are cases in which you will have to give that feedback as well. And it is, I don't know which is worse, honestly, getting the feedback as the employee or giving it to your employer. They both kind of suck. Um, so when we're talking about jobs, we're it's also called performance management. So if you're looking up information about this as a manager, look for performance management as well. I don't like that term because it sounds like micromanager. Yeah. But whatever, don't be that person either. Like that's the, it is a tough balance to strike between being able to give consistent formative feedback and being a micromanager. It's more about like just going around the room, checking on people, saying hi to them. Uh, the good news is that the majority of managers don't like annual reviews. And find no, and not because of the amount of work on them, although they do think it's necessary. They think they're inaccurate, huh. as do more than half of employees. I've always felt that too. And I, by majority of employers, I mean a higher percentage of employers than employees think that they're inaccurate. The majority of employees also feel like their reviews are not motivating, even if they got a good review. To top that off, only eight percent of companies think these reviews are valuable at all and in fact consider that and in fact the majority consider them a waste of time yeah and when you hear my fun uh annual review story there was it's, don't worry it's not bad okay i saw your look no i was looking at I'm like austin you know that you know people hear this so it was uh one year i had just a phenomenal review like i got like the highest possible score because it has to have a score or else that's just... Oh, yeah. I got, like, the highest score on lots of stuff. And it was amazing. And it was great. And it was spectacular. And I didn't get a raise that year mm -hmm. because there was a hazard fees. Then flash forward to, like, two years later where it was just, like, average across the board, I got a raise. Mm -hmm. It just... It meant nothing. Yeah. And the reason they think it's inaccurate, too, is that if you're doing it once a year or once a quarter... You don't remember things. You're not taking notes as you go. Yeah. Which is why the formative feedback and in, and even slightly like the hybrid informal formal reviews that you do once a week, twice a month, whatever, those are a lot better. So what about employees? Do employees want feedback? <laughs> Overwhelmingly, yes. Uh, the majority of people lose engagement in their work when they never get feedback. They're like, okay, I don't know if I'm doing well. I don't know if I'm doing poorly. I'm starting to get some major imposter syndrome here and feel like maybe my work doesn't matter. That's a big thing, guys. And I know they're like, oh, fucking snowflakes. No, no, no. We want like we as a species want to know that what we're doing has an end goal, both yeah. in terms of our paychecks and in terms of what we're doing. Like, are we making the world shittier or better? And either way, are we doing a good job at it? <laughs> <laughs> Those who get feedback at least once a week tend to be more engaged. And here are some more specific important statistics to know about feedback. 69% of employees would, nice. I know, would work harder if their efforts were recognized more. Yeah. Even, and this doesn't have to, this doesn't mean constant compliments. It just even could mean, hey, I see you're working really hard. That makes a really mm -hmm. big difference. 78% um, say recognition is motivational. Now, this doesn't mean that awful thing they used to do us as kids and make us go stand on stage to get the perfect attendance award. 
this really just does mean like a quick email saying, hey, thanks. Uh, thanks for your effort on this assignment or a pu- or even just a public like, hey, guys, you know, somebody gets thanked for Austin's had this happen several times. And I have too. Um, where you get credit for somebody else's work. We talked about this in the complex. Uh-huh. And you recognizing, like, nope, it wasn't just me. It was also so-and-so. Or, no, that was entirely so-and-so. I'm just the one who turned it in. Which, as as a guy in a mostly female workplace, oh my god, I get so much recognition for shit I didn't do. It's like instinct now for me to say, nope, that wasn't me. Yeah, and that recognition actually really matters. 72% of employees get praise less than once a week. Now, again, this doesn't mean unnecessary fake compliments. This doesn't mean, hey, good job showing up on time today. Wait, so you're saying my sticker chart isn't effective? Do not get me fucking started on sticker charts. That will be another three hours of me going on. Um, but like just mentioning something positive about their work at least once a week makes a huge difference. And they, people just want to be seen like, Hey, I recognize that you still work here and that your job is important. And for employers, you might like to know this. There is nearly 15% lower turnover in offices with regular feedback. Notice I didn't say regular praise. I said regular feedback because that goes in both directions. No one in any of these statistics is asking for anything but praise. In fact, over 90% said negative feedback is helpful if delivered correctly. Yeah, I like to know if I'm doing something wrong mm-hmm. and if I need to change something because it's easier to do that mm-hmm. like as soon as you notice it than if you let me do it for a year and it comes back like, like oh, you've been exactly. doing this wrong. Exactly. So what does that mean? What does that what is effective feedback? Well, I'll get to the experts in a second, but I'm going to start with my own two cents on a, on this because you know how I do. Assume positive intent. This is the best advice I've ever gotten, and it was from one of the best bosses I've ever had. He told us to always assume that when you interacted with somebody, they weren't intentionally trying to make your day worse or your job harder. Whether they're an adult or a kid, no one, well, not no one, but almost no one walks into a space thinking, yes, I am so excited to fail, or, oh boy, how can I ruin things for everyone around me today? That's not how people generally operate. Now, you do have people who are aberrations in that way. Like, there are people who do love to ruin people's days. They are the rarities. People who aren't doing well at something have a reason, and it's not to hurt you. So when you're going in to give someone feedback, assume they tried their best. Assume a behavioral issue was related to something outside of you or what was going on. If they didn't ask for help and fucked something up, assume they didn't know they needed to ask for help or worse, that they were scared to ask for help. Both of those come back to you as the teacher or or the manager. But, you know, I'm I'm going back to teacher brain here. (laughs) Um, If you don't know to ask for help and you can't get mad at them for not asking for help. uh, That always bothered me. Teachers like, well, why didn't you ask for help? I thought I understood it. Yeah. Why would I ask for help if I thought I understood it? Well, where were you confused? I don't know. I thought I understood it. If I knew where I was confused, this wouldn't be an issue. I had a math teacher who gave us literally 100 problems every single night. Oh. Literally, I I wish I was exaggerating on this. I Awful. would sit and cry over my math homework for four hours a night, only to come in and get an F and be asked why I didn't ask for help. And I'm like, I thought I understood it, which quickly turned into, you don't help me anyway. See, um, this is why you just don't do homework. <laughs> we were talking about this yesterday, how Austin was one of those, I got all A's even though I never did my homework. I always got A's on the tests. <laughs> and meanwhile, I'm like, I did all of my homework and all of the extra credit and studied for all of the exams. I didn't study until middle school. I hate you. Um, so 
whether now obviously like there are exceptions to this there are times where you are allowed to not assume positive intent think about the things that are you know blatantly illegal things that hr would have to be involved with um things that involve touching people who don't want to be touched in places where they don't want to be touched racial slurs homophobics there's no assuming positive intent especially with adults in those cases um, the only exception there is corporealia, which is an extremely rare thing. Like, you know, all the jokes about Tourette's and some cussing and it's that's actually it's a subset of Tourette's, but it's actually incredibly, incredibly, incredibly rare. Um, Austin can tell you I have tics that I do and some of them yep. are vocal, but they're not words. Um, anyway, whether working with kids or adults, and I've kind of managed both in different ways, uh, I've tried to lead from this point of view, assuming that they weren't trying to fuck anybody over, um, assuming that they weren't trying to fail, assuming they weren't trying to be mean. So I would use questions like, this isn't your normal work, what's going on? Or, hey, you know something went wrong here. What was it and why? Uh, the biggest question I feel like you can ask anyone when giving feedback is, are you okay and do you need help? And you have to mean it. Don't just ask it. Plan to follow through. None of this is expressly said in the best practices for feedback, but here are some agreed upon best practices. Reflect on why you're giving the feedback. If you're giving it for the wrong reasons, don't give it. If it's just because you're pissed off, don't give the feedback. I've, I had instances as a teacher where a kid would know they were in trouble and I'd be like doing the see me after class. And I would say to them, look, I think you're mad and I'm mad. Am I right? They'll say I'm mad. like, all right, tomorrow, let's actually talk about today. I don't want to have this conversation when we're mad because that wouldn't be productive. But you have to tell the kid the conversation is coming. Yeah. <laughs> um, you can't just surprise him with it a day yeah, later. You, like you can't do that with a kid. With an adult, you can to a certain extent because they know that conversation is coming. A kid may not. If you're giving it because you have to, make sure you at least have some notes about things to talk about. But if you're giving because you're mad or because of nepotism, just don't give it. Um, it's timely. You have to do it in the moment or shortly afterwards. Otherwise, it will have no impact. Uh, it's specific and meaningful. If I just said, hey, great job. What am I talking about? I have no idea. Exactly. But if you tell them exactly what went well or what went poorly and what it had to do with the overall success of your mission, that is the important part. It's like, I can say specifically, hey, Austin, great job on your notes. And he'd be like, OK, thanks. But I if I, I said, hey, Austin, great job on your notes, it made it a lot easier for us to like have that back and forth that we had. Like the notes were just really well structured. And I think our episode's going to be great. Because I will say it's like you can't possibly be talking about my notes because it's just a series of squiggles. And I wrote down the word kind of a few times. But you know what I mean? I told you specifically what what happened, why it worked well, and how it helped us with our final goal. Now, your notes could suck. I don't know because I haven't heard I you talk yet. Man, oh boy. It's like you're putting the pressure on me now. <laughs> but you see what I mean? Like, that is the part that always is forgotten is why does what you did matter? Like, you, great job on that Excel spreadsheet. Cool. Like, okay, I'm good at Excel. Why does it matter? Mm -hmm. How did I help with this overall thing? Because that lets you also know what parts were really important so you can replicate it better in the yeah. future. It's candid. Speak plainly about what you've observed, what needs to be changed, and what and how you can help. Now, I don't mean radical honesty. Radical honesty is bullshit, and no one should engage in that. That is just being a dick and saying, you're, oh, I'm radically honest. 
No, that ra- radical honesty yeah, is bullshit. Everyone I know who's used radical honesty has just used it as an excuse to bully someone. Yeah, there's a difference between being honest and a different and being radically honest. Radically honest is saying whatever thought pops into your head about someone. Honesty is just being honest. This is what I observed. This is why it's a good thing. This is why it's an issue. Don't tiptoe around it. Be future focused, goal oriented, and actionable. Yes, you have to look at what has already happened, but your focus should be on what happens next. Let the past stay in the past. It has to be something they can actually change or use to guide their growth. So yes, you have to talk about the past, but you have to talk about the past in terms of how it affects the future and what they can do to improve. Now, when I say improve, that does I'm not saying that they did everything badly. How you can use the things you're already awesome at to improve is also really important. Now, here's the thing. You can't demand someone stops having a disability. So you have to be careful during this because you might not know. And in the workplace, they aren't necessarily required to tell you, which is a gray area I'm not getting into. Or they might have a disability and not even know it themselves. But they may know something like, I take longer to read than other people do. And then when you do talk about the event that caused this conversation, focus on tomorrow. I noticed X happened. It caused Y. What can we do to make sure X continues or doesn't happen again? And how can I help? But if you're watching something and you think this might be related to a disability, you have to be very careful in this conversation. It does not mean do not have the conversation. It means just be careful in how you word it. I noticed this. It caused this. How can we work together? Focus on the issue, not the person. Now, this this doesn't just mean not using the word you. If I said to Austin that his topic was stupid. I would agree. If I said, Austin, your topic is stupid. What would you think I was actually calling stupid? Hmm. Yeah. Did I say you were stupid? Not this time. (laughs) She, She doesn't call me stupid. I actually don't. Um, but if you tell somebody, this is stupid, this thing you care about is stupid. I don't feel like hearing about this. You're bothering. Like, they're going to take that as a me, not my topic, not my idea. I, I am stupid. I am bad. I am wrong. So instead, I mean, you can think that all you want. You can go home and tell your spouse about how stupid this thing was at work. Uh, That's fine. (laughs) We have never done that to each other. But as a teacher or a manager, you need to look at what is happening, what was supposed to happen, and find two or three things you found stupid within it. Determine why you thought that was stupid, and then converse about those two or three things specifically, not using the word stupid. (laughs) Like... This part was a little bit confusing. Can you walk me through it? Okay, I see what you were thinking and how we got here, but let's talk about how we can make it less confusing for next time. How easy. Mm Mm-hmm. Phrase negative feedback well. Well, that went badly. It's not helpful. (laughs) I had trouble hearing you during the presentation. Let's work together on some public speaking skills. Is is negative feedback with a focus on the future. Phrase positive feedback well. This goes beyond being specific and meaningful, blah, blah, blah. You have to look at it logically. And also saying keep it up or you can do even better next time is actually really super stressful. (laughs) And um, you might like if you say, wow, you did such a great job getting this report done and you can do even better next time. Now that I've seen what you can do. If you didn't ask how they got there, you might not know that they came in every single Saturday to get it done because one of their teammates had not been pulling their weight. And that now they're thinking, oh, shit, now this is expected of me to be here every single Saturday. So thank you. Yeah. Still ask questions, even when you're giving positive feedback. You know, I I really appreciated the job you've done on this part on this project. It really helped with this. How did you get it done? Well, it was very simple. I put the cats on a wheel and I had them run as fast as they could and they powered a laptop. Well, it's like I... 
like I once had a feedback session where my manager was like asking me questions and I, I kept kind of deflecting and they finally said, I can tell you're not telling me something. This is a frank, candid conversation. Just say what you want to say so we can find a solution. And I was like, oh, shit, because I'd never spoken to this manager before. And this, you know, this is the boss, 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 boss. And I said, okay. And I just said what I'd been trying to tiptoe around and I go, oh, okay, let's fix that. Yeah. And I was like, oh, shit. Because I, I was like terrified to bring this up with this person. <laughs> and now, like, after that, we started finding a solution to the problem that I had been tiptoeing around. All because the manager was tuned in enough to realize that this person they'd never spoken to before was not was trying to not say something. <laughs> um, and then the last one, don't assume you know everything. I know it's really hard for you, Austin. What? But I do know everything. That's the entire point of this podcast. I've never researched anything. It's all up here in my head because you can see me pointing because it's a podcast. What you observed and what happened may not be the same thing. So let's say that you walked in and you saw an employee just screaming at another employee. Now, I'm not saying you should not handle that. The screaming employee needs to be removed from the situation in that moment. But if you go on going, why the fuck were you screaming? I never want to see anything like that again. They'll just be like, you know what? Peace out and they can quit. But if you're like, what the hell just happened? You might find out that they had just used a homophobic slur towards one of the other co-workers in the office who was now in the bathroom crying. And this other person was done hearing them do that. Which, yeah, you'll have to deal with the fact that they screamed instead of just dealing with it in a more professional manner. But yeah. you now have this information you did not previously have. You also now need to wonder why didn't they come to me the first time they heard this kind of language from that employee? <laughs> what does that have to do with me as a manager or as a teacher? Um, and I'm saying this like I'm in no way talking about my own management, by the way. I just want to make that abundantly clear. Or at least not my current or my previous management. Some very far in the past ones, yes. Yeah. But not my current ones. To be abundantly clear, I really like them and I can go to them and be like, hey, I have a problem and it's not yeah. an issue. Which yeah, is cool. I was so scared. Oh, my, my current bosses are also amazing. <laughs> like Austin can tell you when I switched careers, I was so scared to talk to my yeah. bosses. Like I was so scared of them and it was it had nothing to do with them. They were amazing, amazing, amazing. I was so scared to talk to them and they called me out on it, which was awesome. They're like, yeah, you need to stop asking permission and just start doing stuff because you know what you're doing. I'm like, oh my God, do you know they what actually, I'm doing? They actually see that I'm trying and they see that I'm like not wanting to talk to them. This is this because, and it's not that I didn't want to talk to them. It's that I didn't want to have conversations that could get me in trouble because I'd had so many bosses that got me in trouble for stuff that had nothing to do with me. That's a whole other issue. Um, now here's something interesting. As a teacher, I was taught to give feedback in the form of compliment sandwiches, something good, something to improve, something good. And honestly, it worked. Uh, it's especially effective. I found when working with parents, uh, if I needed to email a parent because I had a problem with their kid, like, let's say I have a kid who has suddenly started cussing a lot in class using something that never actually happened. Um, and I'm not, and I'm not kidding. That's actually never an issue I had. Um, I have a kid who suddenly started cussing a lot in class. I would start with, Hey, um, I'm Miss Maddie. I'm your son's theater teacher. This year, he's been really awesome at the blah, 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 blah. In the last few weeks, I've noticed that he is just cursing up a storm. And he and I have had conversations about it. It's just not getting any better. And this seems really out of character for him. And then I would go back to, I think he's a really great kid. We have not had any issues prior to now. Can you help me understand what's happening and how you and I can team up to make sure that he improves? Because I don't want to have to get him in trouble over this. Because I was not the kind of teacher who also got kids in trouble for cussing very much. Like, if they used slurs, that was a whole other thing. Yeah. And 
parents, if you're listening, if you're one of my parents, I was never lying to you. I never had to make anything up for the compliment sandwich. I never had to say anything that I didn't mean. But early in my teaching career, I didn't know to phrase things that way. And I got a lot of pushback. And then I realized if I start an end positive, then they'll know that I actually do want to help their kid. Um, so it actually isn't a terrible system. You'll see a lot of management textbooks and go, it's a terrible system. We should abolish it because it's all fake. If you can't think of anything nice to say about one of your employees or one of your students, figure out what's going wrong. I'm not saying it's you. I'm saying that something's wrong where you can't think of a single nice thing yeah. to say or even two to one. Something has gone horribly wrong. Oh, my gosh. I was, I was thinking it's like, OK, next time I have to criticize one of the cats for doing something bad, I should put in a compliment sandwich. That way they are like more OK. But when you do have a hard and fast rule where it has to be like two to one, it is very limiting and you do kind of feel like they'll make things up. Making it difficult, though, is they've gone from two to one to six to one. They have discovered, and these are actual I, re replicated research studies, that six positives for every negative is the way to ensure improvement while, while not decreasing morale. Huh. Okay, I'm trying to think of six nice things to say about anybody. He's, he's looking at me right now. And like... You are my favorite person, and I can't think of, like, six nice things off the top of my head. I, can, I actually can. I'm going to list them now because you're making a sad face at me. <laughs> no, 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 please don't. Um, but that's the, it becomes tough because, okay, you've got two negative pieces of feedback. Do you now have to think of 12 positives? Ooh. It can be really hard to think of six positives, let alone 12, no matter how much you like somebody, especially if this is not a formal, I have prepared for this for two weeks feedback session, which is stressful enough on its own. So I think the key is just to really make sure that you have more positives than negatives. And if you have a lot of negatives, it's time to do some self-reflecting as the person in charge, whether you're a teacher or a manager. Reflect on why do I only have negative things to say about Austin? Why can't I find a single positive? Is it a personality difference? Do I personally not just just not like him? If that's the case, then what data can I look at to actually find real things to talk about? Um, are they really that nasty to everybody? If so, why haven't I talked to them about this already? Um, are they really that bad at their job? If so, why haven't I talked to them about this already? So I think the, yeah. Oh, so that's what I, sorry guys. I, like I said, it's been a rough week. My, I'm a little off my game. So I hope you guys are being a little, a little forgiving this week. It's okay. You're doing a wonderful job. I like the way that you've been telling us very specific things to do with this. Um, you've been a little scattered, but <laughs> I, okay, I can't. I'm not going to do this compliment sandwich here. You taught. You me actually had two positives before that, and you had a nice specific. You had a specific one and a specific criticism there. Ooh. Um. See, I'm learning. So what would have had to come next was you were a little scattered. So next time an animal dies, maybe let's not record that day. Maybe. <laughs> but I mean, we can't do that. The animals die. Oh, that. I guess our animals. our animals. Okay. And possibly the neighbor dogs, but hopefully that won't be for a long oh, time. Yeah, they we are. love the neighbor dogs. We really do. So yeah, the biggest key, like I was saying, is you have to have more positives and negatives unless you're dealing with an actual emergency, the kind that HR would have to step into. In which case, you are allowed to be like, hey, um, I'm not gonna start off with what a great Excel sheet maker you are. Why did you grab her ass? Yeah. Don't don't grab people's asses unless it's like a Oh no, they're falling out of a building. I need to catch them now. And the only thing you can reach is their ass. Yeah. It's like, and there are a lot of cases even where it's just, tell me what you think happened. Because one person's ass grab could be another person's, someone rammed into me and I had a briefcase in my hand. So it felt like fingers and a hand where it was actually a hand and a briefcase edge, which sounds very, I don't know why I just thought that up off the top of my head. Cause I actually don't know anybody who carries a briefcase, let alone who that has happened to. I should start, I should start carrying a briefcase. Like, like young Sheldon. I would, be, I would look so important with a briefcase. It's just full of candy bars. Uh, 
first of all, it would be full of granola bars. I'm an adult. Chocolate granola bars. Yeah. Chocolate peanut butter. So yeah, if it's an emergency, HR, someone's in real danger situation, you don't have to worry about any of this shit. That is not a time for feedback. That is a time for action. Action. Now, it could turn out that the person who made a complaint was the problem, but that is actually pretty rare. And you should, again, assume positive intent from them coming to you saying, hey, this person grabbed my ass. Because that is a hard thing to do. It is a hard thing to admit happened to you. So could they be lying? Sure. But that's like 2% of the time. And also, again, be aware of how you're doing it with with a lot of things because you don't want to accidentally fall into HR territory yourself. No. So if you've got somebody who gave a presentation who stuttered during their presentation, and it's like, hey, they might have a stutter, or or you might also be careful with your compliments because it's like, hey, um, nice legs, you did a good job on your presentation. Yeah, don't do that. No, no, please. Don't. I mean, unless it was a com- unless it was a. Uh, a presentation on their leg lamps, like in A Christmas Story. Oh, yeah. I guess you could say nice legs then, but you have to be like very clearly point at the leg lamps. Or or they had just made some chicken. It's like, great legs. I would still be really careful with that one, depending on who you're talking to. Wonderful breasts. Succulent. <laughs> I'm talking about the chicken. And that is how we went down to being a one-income household. <laughs> Another thing to remember if you're giving feedback to an employee or a formal review of a student for some reason is that they are nervous and stressed. No matter how good they are at their job, no matter how good of a relationship you have with them, a formal review is stressful as fuck. doesn't matter how long you've been there, how your reviews have consistently been awesome. It doesn't matter. It's stressful because you don't know what's going to happen this time. And this is doubly true in my experience if they have to fill out a self-evaluation form. Oh, self-evaluation. I had to fill out this form as a teacher and then bring it to a principal who had never watched me teach. And I had no idea if she was filling out the same form, if she was going to take me at my word, if she was going to use the fact that she legitimately hated me to do an evaluation of me. I had, and, or if she was going to be like, you really think highly of yourself, don't you? I'm like, yes, I fucking do. Because I was good. I was good at what I did. I wasn't perfect. I didn't give myself like, you know, five stars across the board or anything. But I was like, I've been doing this for a hot second. I know what I'm doing now. If I, if you asked me to do this two years ago, my numbers would have been completely different. Um, So when it comes to supervisor to subordinate feedback, uh, the subordinate, the superior needs to know that some of whatever happens lies with them. However, we as the subordinates have to know that they are not omniscient or omnipresent. That's why this conversation has to be just that, a conversation. Neither side fully knows the story. The superior may have been doing this for 50 years. They still don't know your whole story and what and what about why you did well and why you did poorly. You were in the trenches, not necessarily knowing why you were doing something poorly. Like it's it has to be this actual conversation. And if you're going to give feedback that is officially required, like those that annual review, tell them what to expect. I don't mean give them the review ahead. I mean, all right, we're going to have a review. It's going to last about a half an hour. During that time, we'll discuss this, 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 and this. This is what I need you to fill out. This is the form I'm filling out. If they're the same forms, we'll, we'll compare notes and talk about where the differences are. If they're different forms, we'll pick out a couple of things we both really think we need to be talking about. Half hour max, um, and we'll have some kind of questions and answers at the end. That way you know what you're walking into. Oh, yeah. How big of a difference would that make? Huge difference. If it's informal feedback, start with, can I give you some feedback? 
and mean it as a question. Allow them to say no. Can I give you some feedback? Oh, no, thank you. I'm perfect. Well, I mean, there are times where it's like, especially in the moment where like, if they're having a day, if their pet snake died that day and you start off with, can I give you some feedback? And it's like, not right now. Mean it. And you can follow it up with, okay, are, are you okay? Like, that's an okay thing to ask. It's an okay. And yeah. they might even be like, I'm fine. I just can't talk right now. Like, read the room. It's a read the room situation. Mm-hmm. Um, mean it as a question, not as a Midwestern command. <laughs> that is what questions are in Midwest. If it's a formal evaluation, tell them that um, and be straightforward with that. Now let's talk about the other direction. Subordinate to superior feedback. Oh. It sucks. Yes, it does. But it's really, really important. And a good manager or a good teacher wants it. They actually do want to hear it, even though it sucks to also hear. Mm-hmm. The first thing to do is ask for anonymous feedback regularly. And I'll be straight with you. A lot of employees, if you read the Ask a Manager blog, you know this. A lot of employees not only believe that their feedback is not actually anonymous, it has been proven that it is not actually anonymous. Yeah. They tell employees, this is anonymous feedback. And then all of a sudden, the employees are getting comments that are directly related to the way they rank things or things they said on the feedback form. It has been proven repeatedly that this feedback is not always anonymous. Some companies are completely ethical and do. Some companies, yeah, it is completely anonymous feedback. Not saying it doesn't happen. But if it's done via a survey program, assume your employees think it's not anonymous. And if you got a very low return rate, you should definitely assume that's what they were thinking, that it Mm -hmm. wasn't actually anonymous. Yeah. And then figure out why would they think that about us? Um... And if they do turn in, they're lying. They're lying because they're afraid for their jobs. Yeah. We know that these programs often collect our email addresses without us knowing. And if it expressly says, we are not collecting your email addresses, I still know of teachers who went to a Starbucks to do the survey so that they would be hooked to the Starbucks IP address. Because within the building, they could locate you. So yeah, if you got honest feedback from a teacher as an administrator and it was not positive, they did it from a fucking Starbucks. (laughs) This anonymous feedback can be done in a few other ways, though. One is, of course, on paper that is turned into an unmonitored location, like a folder that is on a desk, in a back room, in the break room somewhere, on a, in an envelope that gets passed around the room. Something where nobody is monitoring exactly who turns it in when. You can do this via printouts or via a document that you send that they would fill out and print. Done. And they just don't save it on their computer. Good to go. Another I saw the other day that's pretty cool. Uh, on the way out of work, people on their way out to, to like, check out of the building almost their name was not attached to it but as they walked out there was a little computer screen and it was how do you feel at the end of this work day on a scale of one to five and it was not attached to their names i guess there was probably a time code so if somebody was a real dick they could watch it and see who was saying one or five But what it did was give the company information about the overall office morale, when it ebbed and flowed, and what happened on days where it was especially good or especially bad. That doesn't give you a lot of details, but it lets you look at the day as a whole and go, what would have made me go from having a 70% 4 or 5 rate today to a 20% 4 or 5 rate the next day? What changed? Oh, I can answer that. Uh, there was a staff meeting. <laughs> and someone asked too many questions and the staff meeting went on 20 minutes longer than it should have because somebody doesn't understand that you can email questions that apply only to you to your boss after the meeting. <sighs> okay. But do you see how that information could be really valuable and it's anonymous. You can, And it's not even asking like, how much do you like this place? It's how do you feel right now? And that's a really important question. Yeah. Now, and again, that's going to be like, all oh, those fucking snowflakes. I'm sorry. Does the way you feel affect the way you work? No matter yeah. who you are. Like it, it should affect the way you work. It doesn't work. matter what political party you are, how old you are. You're a fucking human being. The way you feel is going to affect how you work that day. A great way to do this again is with uh, group and private meetings that happen regularly, maybe weekly, twice a month. And these are 
are informal and not necessarily about feedback. They're a check-in. What's our, what is going on with you guys right now? What challenges do you have? What can I help with? Are you like, what's your workload like? Pretty informal things. The one-on-ones should be the same thing. Where can we help you more? How, uh, what do you think you're succeeding at? What do you want more of? Make it a conversation. I also highly recommend having informal things that are completely not work-related. Like my team at work, I love this. We recently started doing a 30-minute every Friday water cooler chat because there is no water cooler. We can't just chat with each other like we would if we had a normal workspace. So 30 minutes set aside once a week and we are not allowed to talk about work stuff. Ooh. I mean, we are. It comes up naturally, mm. but like we talk about cars and pets and what we what our vacation plans are and like, and our boss is there and our boss is part of this and it's a really good way to know that we can trust this person. And that's, like, you got to be able to build trust or the feedback's never yeah. going to work. I think, yeah, tr- having trust is like a super important part of feedback because mm-hmm. And it's essential for employers to ask for feedback after giving feedback. So if they just finished feedback with you or even halfway through, there's a, there's another one that was like steps of feedback and about halfway through was, all right, so what do you think happened? Why do you think this went well? Why do you think this went poorly? Like, tell me what your side of the story is and actually listen. And if they say, if they freeze up, just say, okay, how about we circle back to this tomorrow? You think on it tonight. I'll think on it tonight. We'll come back and have a conversation about it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And it's not a threat. Make sure it's not a threat. Just be like, Look, I put you on the spot. Like, how about you take till tomorrow? We'll regroup at, I'll look at your calendar. We'll figure out a time. We'll, just, we'll regroup tomorrow. Make it not a threat. Yes. It's like, because you don't know what's going on with anybody. Both you giving feedback to your boss and your boss giving feedback to you or teacher, student, whatever. You don't know. They might have a sick family member they're taking care of. They might have had their snake die that morning. Like, you don't know what's going on with them necessarily. They might be having an off day or an off week or an off month because life sucks right now. Mm-hmm. And that's why these... Frequent check-ins are important and just asking, hey, are you okay? Or even just starting with, I've noticed you seem a little bit off. How can I help? You don't even have to ask if they're okay. Just how can I help? And if they say you can't or I don't need any help or it's fine. Like, okay, well, if you ever need anything, just let me know. Be a person. That's what it comes down to. Be a person. Um, But back to the point, when asking for feedback from employees, you should definitely do truly anonymous surveys. If you get low returns on those surveys, chances are they're scared. Um, and you should actually want to take that feedback to heart and improve, whether it was anonymous or one-on-one or small group, doesn't matter if they're giving you feedback. It doesn't mean you have to listen to everything your subordinates say, just like you don't have to listen to everything your boss says. Yeah, I know. Hot take. What? Um, but you need to be willing to try, to try new things. See, because they might be right. Even that person who's worked there for a week might be right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had someone new come in and say, hey, why don't you do it this way? And we all just st- stopped and thought, it's like, oh, shit, why haven't we been doing this th- this way? <laughs> and then if you are the subordinate giving that feedback, read the room. If this is someone you trust will actually do well, they've asked you for feedback. They'll, t- they'll tell you, I want your feedback. It's important to me. Feel free to be candid. Read the room. Mm-hmm. Now, if you feel if you are in a business space of any sort where you feel like it is unsafe to give feedback, you're probably not in the right space for you. Doesn't mean it's not a bad. It doesn't mean it's a bad space. It just means it's a bad fit for you. Probably, hopefully, read the room. If this is not somebody who will take feedback well, play the game. Play the game and then find something better. But if you've got a boss who is what you know, even if you're giving some like pretty hard to hear feedback, will listen and take it at face value of I want to do well and I want us all to do well. Give that. It's all about reading the room. The rest of the rules still apply if you're the subordinate. And also, if you are the employee giving that feedback, you don't know why, what else they might be looking for. They might be looking for someone who shows some initiative, some leadership skills, <laughs> some ability to communicate negatives in a way that works because they might be planning on leaving soon. Something like that. You just yeah. never know. Who knows? And also, things can't get better if you don't tell your boss what you need help with. Um, so... 
feedback. People want it. Both sides should want it. You just have to be able to do it well. Lead with kindness. Be a chill person. Assume you don't know everything. And try to find more positives than negatives, because unless yeah. we've got an actual HR emergency situation, you can always find more positives than negatives mm-hmm. about every person you meet, no matter how much you hate them, unless they're my ex. There is an old Midwestern kind of adage or anything, but if you can't find anything positive to say, just say something, and usually that works. It's positive enough. All right. So that is feedback. Whew. That was that was a lot. Jesus Christ, that was a lot. Yes, it was. <laughs> Which uh, some feedback. Um, we're recording late, and I've got to edit this when we're done. <laughs> well, there's probably a lot you can cut out. It's fine. Oh no, it's it's cool. Um, are you ready for some questions? I'm gonna make up off the top of my head. Yes. All right. Well, the fact that the majority of employers think annual feedback is a waste of time and effort be on the test. That really should be on the test. Why is that not on the test? Well, the fact that giving regular feedback uh, and positive feedback at least once a week increase motivation be on the test. Yes, that would be on the test. You want to increase motivation, and there's ways to do that other than pizza parties. Although we would never say no to a pizza party. Uh, like, if someone sent us a pizza, I would be down with that. I'd actually be really scared if, we sh- if somebody showed up with a pizza to our door, like, and we didn't know where it came from. Like, that is poison, sir. I think someone's been reading too many, watch, reading, listening to too many true crime podcasts. Or I've been poisoned three times. Only one of those times was my fault. <laughs> <laughs> and will the fact that coming from a place of one of future focus and wanting to work together is more effective than criticism be on the test? Yes, they'll be on the test. And finally, will the fact that what you leave as a review is not feedback be on the test? No, that will be on our test specifically. Watch us get a whole bunch of reviews that are like, fuck you and your feedback. It's like, I, it's like, how dare you tell me how to review things? One star. <laughs> and then we'll get that printed on t-shirts. How dare you tell me how to review things? One star. <laughs> We'll finally have our first ever piece of merch. Yay! Oh man, like, I'm sure all of our listener would love to wear that. Hey, no, 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 I have noticed we are up to like two whole listeners now. Yes! That's actually part of the reason we're, we're recording this week, my friends, is for you, our second listener. <laughs> yeah. Welcome. Uh, and if you've made it this far, bravo. And we highly recommend checking out an episode where our snake didn't just die. <laughs> yes. We're we're usually much funnier than this. Actually, I think we're doing pretty good today. We got it. We're in the zone. We've got a thing going on. He's hula dancing right now. And I'm I really not sure what's dancing. happening. Uh, can I give you some feedback on your hula dancing? Absolutely not. <laughs> All right. So... I'm going to go ahead and jump into mine, because luckily mine is really short this week. Okay. Because I was struggling. Yeah, I do think you've got some stuff you can cut out of mine. That's me trying to figure out where I was, because I am oh, yeah. scattered today. Yep. So I'm, like, super struggling. Like, I couldn't find a topic. I went through, like, I started and stopped four times researching something. I just couldn't find anything. So I found something that was kind of short, but not super short, so... Oh, like you! Rude! And where's the two compliments that were supposed to come with that? Which part of that was an insult or feedback? Oh, oh, it's true. I guess that doesn't apply to like, you know, burns. Wasn't a burn either. It's just a statement of fact. You're kind of short, but not super short. Yes. Yes, I am. And I'm proud of that. I'm I'm not. (laughs) It's it's like the weird thing to be proud of. Okay. No, I don't think so. So what I'm covering this week is the St. Scholastica Day Riot. So it's the time that we all went to the book fair and there was only one hang in there baby kitten poster left. 
it's like, man, there were there were three kids that wanted the Animorphs books and only one Animorph book, and it got it was Welcome to the Jungle. Fun fact about me. I have never read an Animorphs book. Divorce. Divorce. Never have I read an Animorphs book. So yeah, this is a riot that happened at the Oxford University, which by the way, um, Oxford University in England is super old. Yes. Like it's been a university since about 1096 mm-hmm. and it's the second oldest university in the world. So, you know, naturally- What's the oldest? I didn't look that up. Well, now I have to. So you keep talking. So yeah. So naturally some shenanigans will have happened at this school because like, you know, it's been around for like a thousand years. It's got to be super haunted. So, and we're not, and this like, this particular shenanigan is not a hilarious animal house style series of pranks. This is more of a disturbing shenanigan, kind of like Revenge of the Nerds. So, Okay, uh, you said 1096? Yeah. All right, the oldest one is the University of Bologna. Oh. After Oxford is the University of Salamanca, which is in Spain. There's a top 10 list, guys. Go look it up. Nice. So, yeah, some shenanigans have happened. But what exactly happened with this riot? Well, like most non-sports-related riots... It was uh, over in an college, animorphs book. On, on, in college towns. Th- it started at a bar. Oh, God. Uh, by the way, interestingly, since I'm talking about sports, the most popular sport at the time in England was mob football. Is that like really angry rugby? Kind of. It's basically two neighboring towns would try and get an inflated pig's bladder to the other end of the other town. And it was... There was it's no like limits capture on, the flag, no but with a pig bladder. Pl- no limits on players, and the only rules were no murder and no manslaughter. So basically, the favorite sport at the time was just rioting. That actually sounds super fun! (laughs) And uh, mob football was eventually banned. I mean, that's like, it's like the purge, but with rules. Two rules. Yeah, two rules. That's actually fewer rules than the purge. Okay, though, I still think I win the purge. I think you do. And but this is also the precursor to both American football and soccer. The mob thing? The with mob the, with football. With the pig bladder? With the pig bladder. And I know so, some of you are out there going, ew, pig bladders, why? If they, you read Little House on the Prairie, guys, you've just blocked that out of your brain. Yeah. And you really shouldn't have read, read Little House on the Prairie. It I sucks. I have read all of them multiple times. They suck. It's libertarian propaganda. Okay. You're libertarian propaganda. So anyway, on February 10th. <laughs> Uh, 1355, which is Saint Scholastica Day. I had no idea there was a Saint Scholastica. Yeah. And I was raised Catholic. I am confirmed and have a patron saint name. It's probably because it's best known for starting a riot. That is disappointing. So anyway, a group of students and priests were uh, drinking at the Swindlestock Tavern. That sounds right. And they were loudly complaining about the poor quality of the wine. Well, the landlord of the tavern and the mayor of Oxford, uh, John of Barford, was there and he didn't take too kindly to it he uh responded with to their insolence with stubborn and saucy language Ooh, saucy which is polite old-timey speak for telling them to fuck off and shove it up their asses that was okay we just finished watching them we talked about it last week but it is like jarring to watch people in these 1950s and it's set in the 1950s say the word fuck over and over. Yeah. It is jarring. It's like, but they never said that on the Dick Van Dyke show. I was literally about to say that. <laughs> it's because I'm in your head. Although I've actually to this day never heard Dick Van Dyke say that. Yeah. 
I don't think. Like, oh I, I read his autobiography, and okay, I don't remember him saying Listeners, that. if any of you have ever heard Dick Van Dyke say fuck, let us know. If any of you have ever met Dick Van Dyke, tell me, does he give as good a hugs as he looks like he would give? I'm sure he does. He's got those long arms. He can just do a real good embrace. <laughs> he wrapped around you twice. Wrapped around you twice. Like and then you realize that he's actually Freddy Krueger. <laughs> With his arms. That movie is the best. It's a good So anyway, after he did his uh, stop stubborn and saucy language, one of the students responded by throwing a pot at his head. And Why did he get a pot? Do they just carry them in case? Oh, okay. And Wait, he has a whole ass pot and he's complaining about the quality? Yeah. And now either, depending on whose account it is, the students say he just threw it at him and then they got real mad about it. But the townsfolk say uh, he th- he like came at him and started beating him about the head with it. Those are very different things. Yeah. So, you know, so anyway, at this point, the, a fight started in the bar and it spilled onto the streets and more and more people kept joining in. And then the town rang the bell to signal everyone to go, come to arms. And the students at the Oxford University also rang the church bell to signal everyone to go pick up arms and start fighting. Why do they have so many arms just lying around? Well, they like all Earlier actually... we had the pile of legs and... Yeah, uh, they all... So they, a lot of them grabbed their bows and arrows because, you know, medieval, medieval people had zero chill. Uh, we can't really say that in a country where it's like the only good way to, the only way to stop a bad guy with a gun. Well, in England, the only good way to stop a bad guy with a bow and arrow was a good guy with a bow and arrow. And all of them had bows and arrows. Do you know where flipping people comes off, people off from? Uh, it's from their, uh, the middle finger. It's used for archery. Yeah. Um, they actually would. And that's actually why sometimes you'll see it done with two fingers still meaning fuck you. Yeah. Because one of the punishments for archers was to cut off either one or uh, either their pointer finger or their pointer and their middle finger so they could no longer be archers and flipping them off either with one or two fingers said to them, I'm tougher than you in many ways. (laughs) And I was flipping him off the whole time during that. Yep. So at the time, you were actually required by law to practice archery as part of like England's defense against France. So everyone could was pretty proficient with a bow and arrow. So they just started shooting at each other. And so the next day, the mayor went and said, oh, shit, this is out of com- com- control. The next day, the mayor was like, oh, wait, this is out of control now? Yeah, because it was still going on. You thought, like, this is, please, it was medieval England. It's like, oh, we had a little riot and there's just some armed conflict in the streets. It'll blow over. It didn't blow over. So he uh, went to another town to try and seek aid from the crown. And the uh, the clergy and, the, like, the chancellor of the of Oxford was saying, hey, we need to stop this rioting. We need to stop. Everyone just go home. Don't take up arms. Stop it. They didn't stop it. And they kept fighting. And uh, by the way, this wasn't the first time the townsfolk had risen up to attack the school. There had been about 29 other instances before this. Uh, The Crown usually ended up backing the school for most of the cases, even though the Oxford students started it more than half the time. And uh, Cambridge was actually founded by people fleeing an angry mob that had lynched a couple of students in the 1200s. I'm just thinking about how, like, education, man. So, yeah. So then after this, uh, about 2000 people came from the nearby countryside to join in attacking this school. (laughs) Uh, They cried, slay, slay, havoc, havoc, smite fast and give good knocks. Okay, Austin, next time we go to a sporting event, we're going to start yelling that, okay? Slay! No, not like that. We'll go to a Monarchs game, though. Yes. Start yelling that. And they'll be like, please leave. So they, uh, 
ended up storming the school. The students realized, oh shit, we can't win. So they tried to barricade themselves in, but they managed to break down doors and get to them. And all in all, when this finally ended and people came to their senses, about 30 townsfolk had died and 60 to 62 students. And you know, like some of them were just those kids who were like, God damn it, who were like, we're just trying to sit in their dorm and study. Yeah. And then people broke in. They're like, I was reading. Some people got in a fight in a bar and suddenly were at war with the town again. Mm-hmm. But again, like in previous town ta- uh, times this happened, the crown sided with the university. Like, I'm getting some serious, like, Mona Lisa Saperstein from Parks and Recreation vibes, where it's like, you're perfect and you can do nothing wrong. Money, please. That's like, that is what... Mona Lisa and Jean-Ralphio are my favorites. They just, I have, I think they are the most perfectly realized fictional characters I've ever witnessed. I just realized I had like an at length, not at length, but a couple few minute long conversation with your grandmother about the Fonz a couple of days ago. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So to start things off, uh, the king pardoned the scholars and students. Sure. But then they find the town 500 marks. Which I tried to find out, like, a good approximation of how much money this was. A lot. I couldn't. All I know is it was a very substantial sum. Like, that would be the equivalent of tens of thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. The uh, mayor and bailiffs, which bailiffs were basically the equivalent of police back then, mm-hmm. were sent to jail in London for their role in this. Uh, also, the town was barred from church service for years after this. They weren't allowed to go to church? Including, like, marriages and funerals. So, like, nope, no church. You don't get church anymore. They, like, couldn't go to another town? They, or they weren't... Yeah, that's like, no, we're not, you're not getting masses, you're not getting anything. The only exceptions were they'd, ha- they'd be allowed certain feast days and baptisms. But no weddings, no funerals, no nothing. But, okay, their kid was born out of wedlock officially, so they couldn't get it baptized. Yeah. I know, it was a harsh punishment for the time. But, like, how are they allowed to have baptisms when their kids weren't allowed to be baptized? I don't know. I mean, maybe they got married before this. I don't think that it only applied to them. Yeah, so just just a, a weird punishment. Uh, also, the mayor and bailiffs going forward were required to attend a special mass at the school honoring the dead students on every saint scholastica's day um now is this the patron saint of education i think so i didn't look it up and saint scholastica would have come from saint scholasticus don't know huh don't know you don't know what the person's name is i know nothing about this i was trying to do a fast one and then you started asking questions so anyway, this practice of him them attending this mass for these students continued until 1825, when the mayor refused, saying, show me the fucking law that says I have to do this. Um, and apparently these students were rude and, like, jeered the townsfolk every time they do this for, like, you know, the past 200 years. So anyway, on 1955, on the 600th anniversary of this riot, Oxford issued the mayor an honorary degree and admitted they had been kind of assholes for a few centuries to the town. The mayor was still alive 600 years later? Because I have additional questions. It was the uh, the mayor's elected position. They keep electing new ones, kind of like how there's new kings or queens or new James Bonds or Doctor Who's or Doctors Who. So they gave the current mayor an honorary degree? They gave the current mayor an honorary degree on the 600th anniversary. Not the mayor from back then? Nope. He was dead. They give honorary posthumous degrees to people all the time. They did not in this case. I like my I like my idea better that we just have one mayor who's been around waiting for this fucking degree. Yeah. The um the punishments did not stop there. Uh, the king also granted the university the right to tax the town on bread and drinks sold within city limits. They were also uh, had a right to demand places in town be in better repair. Wait, they're the HOA now? <laughs> yeah, but it's the students. 
It's like, ugh, I don't like your uh, your bar's not serving good enough wine. I demand you serve better wine. They could just do that. That's awesome. I mean, not great, but awesome. Yep. Um, any future disputes involving students would not be settled by like local authorities. They'd be settled by the university. And any official in town had to swear to uphold the school's rights. Can you imagine if we had that much respect for any schools these days? No, I cannot imagine. Like, I'm not saying to that extreme, but like a high amount of respect for any school beyond its football team. I mean, it, it took it took a riot and a king doing it. So I don't think it's ever going to happen again. There was still tension between the town and the university obviously because they had these weird restrictions placed on them and this like school was in charge of stuff but like it never like came down to violence on that scale again so it just it that was really the peak of disputes between them was this three-day riot where 90 people died but i feel like there's a lesson in this and i'm going to talk to um some kids who are starting college this year hi freshmen i'm glad you're listening to our podcast you should be studying I mean, it is a long weekend right now, yeah. and it won't be fall break time. is coming up. Fall break is coming up. Maybe you'll listen to it on a nice drive, or maybe they're ta- maybe they're walking to class right now. Maybe they're walking to class. So I'm just going to give you some sound advice from some people 600 years ago, and that is, don't be assholes to the people that live in the town. That is true. Uh, they can and will kick your freshman ass up and down the street. That is also true. So learn from the city of Oxford and Oxford University and just don't be a dick. I know it can be hard sometimes. Oh, God damn it. All right. Are you ready for questions? <laughs> yeah, I didn't say anything. Austin, Austin just saw the face. Are you you're ready for questions? I'm ready for questions. All right. Will mob football be on the test? No, we don't want to encourage that. Will the fact that Oxford was the smug kid that starts shit but still gets away with it be on the test? I don't think they'll phrase it like that. Yeah. And will the fact that it took 300 years for the mayor to stop this stupid tradition be on the test? Yes. So yeah, that is my little thing on the St. Scholastic Day Riot. Super short this week. That was super short. Damn. I knew you were going to go long, so I... I actually didn't plan on this. I'm not that smart. I didn't plan for mine to be that long. Um, I didn't. I usually edit mine down, and it's a lot less scattered when I do that. But I, honestly, the reason we're recording is me. I said yep. like I need this. I need to just do something different. Not. I need something normal this week because yep. it has been a not normal week. Um, and so it's on me, and I didn't edit my piece down, so it was a little bit rambly, a little bit long. Hopefully, this is not your first episode with us because. I'm not going to say that they're usually great, but they're usually a little less rambly than mine was. Yeah, I'd say like nine out of ten of our episodes are pretty good. Yeah. The other one is, I think, the one where a lot of people seem to start for some reason. Yeah. It's like, why are they? The, okay. What is your favorite episode of our show? My favorite episode. Oh. I know mine. I don't know. I have to think. I have to think about it. Episode one. Episode one. Oh, Pliny the Elder. Pliny the Elder and Clara Looper. Um, now, if you have not, if this is your first time listening... Go back and listen to that one. Now, ignore the bell at the beginning. We got rid of it, obviously. Mm-hmm. We were trying to find some sound thing from the beginning, and we still haven't found the right one. We've been trying. But we talk about Pliny the Elder, who comes up a lot, and then Clara Looper, who I think is just one of the most badass people to ever exist who we never talk about. Uh, so I think that's my favorite. Yeah. And then this is episode 99, right? Episode 99. Yeah. Next week is episode 100. Yeah. And then after that, we're planning on taking a couple of weeks off. Yep. Um, Just so we can... Get some regrouping done on things, improves and stuff like it. Really, it's not like just a, oh, yeah, vacation. It's actually two weeks we're going to spend working on the podcast. 
Um, because we know that we can still always improve. We have, we give ourselves feedback. Yep. And I'm going to have a nice compliment sandwich after this with pastrami and rye. We have neither of those things. God damn it. How else do you make a compliment sandwich if you don't have pastrami and rye? You find nice things to say. I can't do that unless I have had adequate amounts of pastrami in my system. (laughs) Oh, Austin, you can go to the store and get some fucking pastrami. See, look at that feedback with something I can do. Thank you. All right. Well, I guess Austin needs to go get some pastrami. So on that note, class Class dismissed. dismissed. We usually end on food. We always end on food. Maybe that says something about us.